0: U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping talked over video conference Tuesday morning, Taiwan Time. It was their first face-to-face encounter since Biden took office this January. During the meeting, Biden raised concerns about human rights violations in Xinjiang, Tibet and Hong Kong. He also said the U.S. opposed any unilateral changes to the status quo of the Taiwan Strait.
1: US President Joe Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping held a virtual summit Tuesday morning. In the second half of the meeting, the two leaders broached the topic of Taiwan, with Xi sticking to his usual rhetoric.
2: Should the separatist forces for Taiwan independence provoke us, force our hands or even cross the red line, we will be compelled to take resolute measures."
1: China's Xinhua News Agency covered the event in more than 3,900 words, with multiple sections on Taiwan. Ahead of the summit, Taiwan was widely expected to be on the agenda. During the meet, Biden reiterated Washington's stance, expressing concern for Beijing's destabilizing actions in the region.
0: The White House says Biden told the Chinese leader the U.S. is still committed to the one-China policy, but Washington opposes changes to the status quo.
1: It was Biden's first video call with Xi since taking office, but the two of them had met before.
2: I'm very happy to see my old friend.
1: She greeted Biden as an old friend after Biden made a point of denying their friendship earlier this year. During Tuesday's summit, Biden told Xi that they needed to establish, quote, common-sense guardrails to prevent tensions from escalating. It seems to me our responsibility as leaders of China and the United States is to ensure that the competition between our countries does not veer into conflict, whether intended or unintended. Just simple, straightforward competition. Biden also expressed concern over human rights violations in Xinjiang, Tibet and Hong Kong, unfair trade practices, and freedom of navigation in the Indo-Pacific region, all old issues of contention between the two sides. Biden said he was ready to work with Xi to advance the interests of both their peoples. Xi touted peaceful coexistence and win-win cooperation as guiding principles for future U.S.-China relations.
2: As the world's two largest economies, China and the U.S. need to increase communication and cooperation.
1: The closed-door summit was extensively covered by Chinese state media, a reflection of the event's importance to Beijing. But experts say it will take more than one online discussion to diffuse the hostility between China and the U.S
0: that the sort of the long-term structural challenges between the U.S. and China have really yet to be addressed. This could be the start of a process for that to happen.
1: Analysts said the summit offered no major breakthroughs, but could mark the renewal of dialogue between
0: the two sides. Well, President Tsai Ing-wen went on the DPP's official podcast on Tuesday to talk about the upcoming referendum. She asked the public to vote no to blocking pork imports containing rectopamine. Tsai said that blocking pork imports could hurt Taiwan's bid to join the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. She said that in order to gain entry, Taiwan had to prove its commitment to an open market with international standards. Tsai pointed out that the Ma administration had allowed imports of U.S. beef containing rectopamine,... and she said that in opening borders to U.S. pork,... Her administration had followed the precedent set by the KMT. Since March 2020, non-scholarship Chinese language students have been banned from entering Taiwan. But the government says they could soon be getting the green light. Plans are underway to reopen the borders ahead of a Harvard language program that will be held next summer in Taipei.
1: In a video, students in Thailand, South Korea, France, and Ireland say they want to come to Taiwan to study Chinese. Due to COVID border restrictions, many international students are unable to enter Taiwan. Currently permitted are international degree students, as well as recipients of the Huayu Enrichment Scholarship but students without scholarships still have no way in. The drop in Chinese learners has put a strain on Chinese language centers.
2: The Ministry of Education's entry criterion is based on scholarship status. That's unreasonable. We should consider adopting an entry program similar to the one for migrant workers. We can take a look at their vaccinations, the COVID case counts in their origin countries, and whether there is enough available quarantine infrastructure in Taiwan, and make decisions based on that.
1: According to the Ministry of Education, 32,457 students were enrolled at Chinese language centers in Taiwan in 2019. That figure dropped to 20,674 in 2020 and sunk further to 16,802 in 2021. With no students coming in and old students graduating, language instruction centers have cut class hours and put recruitment on hold. Lawmakers are pushing for a laxer border controls ahead of a Harvard University program that's set to open in Taipei next summer. They say the Summer Academy will provide a good opportunity for exchanges between Taiwan and the U.S.
2: They used to hold the program in cooperation with a university in Beijing. But out of a lack of trust in Beijing, they're collaborating with Taiwan instead. If our border restrictions don't allow those students to come, that will greatly reduce the exchanges between our two countries and shut down opportunities that could upgrade our friendship. Regarding the proposal to let language students enter Taiwan, the Ministry of Education will draw up feasible plans as soon as possible to let them enter, perhaps in batches, in a Safe and orderly way.
1: The education ministry says it's planning special entry authorizations for Chinese language students. The CDC and foreign ministry have expressed support for the plan. Officials say that reopening the borders will give a boost to the language instruction industry and help more people discover what Taiwan has to offer.
0: And turning now for a look at Taiwan's bilingual education. In the year 2020, Chang'an Junior High School in tai- Taipei launched an experimental program for all of its seventh graders. In this program, students are taught subjects like music and physical education through the English language. These students, who are now in the eighth grade, are thriving in their unique immersion courses. Let's stop by to meet them.
2: Okay, are you ready? Are you ready?
1: Here at Taipei's Chang'an Junior High, this physical education teacher is leading a calisthenics routine. He uses simple English paired with body language to guide students through the moves.
2: When you're integrating English into this field, it's actually very important that you change your instructional design, because you want to give students the opportunity to listen and to speak. For example, when I start the class, I greet them and ask them how they are. They greet me and ask me how I am. Through this, I get them used to saying good afternoon.
1: Chang'an Junior High's experimental bilingual course uses an approach called CLIL, which stands for Content and Language Integrated Learning. This means that subjects like physical education are adapted and taught using the English language. The CLIL method helps students get used to using English in their everyday interactions.
2: Very good. Okay. One, two,
1: three. One, two, three. Okay. Do it again. Okay.
2: After going through this calisthenics workout, I'd say it's pretty fun. When I practiced it today, the teacher noted whether my footwork was wrong. In elementary school, English was never used as a language for instruction. It's actually quite interesting. Looking at our first cohort, our current 8th graders, their grasp of English has improved greatly compared to their performance under the older methods. We often say the key to the success of this education reform is the teachers who are on the front line.
1: Talented bilingual faculty can create a natural learning environment, one that seamlessly blends English learning into students' daily life. Bilingual education models like this one help children learn faster and easier so that they can become more competitive internationally.
0: So two celebrated Taiwanese films have been re-released with audio description for the first time. The technology enables people with visual impairments to enjoy a movie fully, with the support of a narrator. While common in some countries, it's still a rarity in Taiwan. Representatives from the Audio Description Development Association held the special release of My Missing Valentine and Dear Tenant as a milestone for the fledgling industry. (laughs)
1: Cast and crew from My Missing Valentine and Dear Tenant gather on stage. The Golden Horse winners are here to celebrate the release of audio description for their films.
2: We finally have the chance to put audio description in my films. What I regret is, why did I not do this when they were released last year? So after I watched them, I decided that I will release my next film with audio description when it is first in theaters. I closed my eyes throughout the first half just to listen to the description. Then I just had to open my eyes halfway through because the narration was just too wonderful. So I truly, deeply respect the work done.
1: The original cast members were moved by the addition of audio description to their work, praising the audio narrator. Audio description paints a picture of the set and cinematography as well as actors' facial expressions, so people with visual impairments can enjoy the movie in more depth.
2: For me, it has been a really, really, really important dream I suppose to go into a movie theater. Or maybe you could say it was a fantasy, something I didn't know how to hold. Anyway, it seemed like something that would be so so hard to make happen in this movie of my life, but it finally happened last year. But for us, making this happen can't start and end here. We hope it will have a greater future.
1: Going to see a movie in a theater was once a far-off dream for some blind or visually impaired audience members, but with audio descriptions, they can head to the theater together with their sighted friends. Currently, few people have the skills to narrate audio description in Taiwan, limiting the number of movies that can be released this way.
2: I think the development of audio description is a professional service, so we need people who are highly visually perceptive and who have voice talent to join the profession. They also need professional training. They need a few years to be trained.
1: The Audio Description Development Association is calling for more talent to join the ranks of the industry and for greater government support for the fledgling service. In just a few years' time, people with visual impairments could have a whole selection of movies to choose from.
0: And moving now to the vaccination campaign. Taiwan's single-dose coverage now stands at 76.42%. Two-dose coverage has surpassed 42%. Officials plan to allow vaccine mixing in the next round of inoculation, and about 970,000 AstraZeneca recipients may be offered the option of Moderna or Pfizer as a second dose. Let's hear from the CCC.
2: 15期, uh, uh. If we open up mix and matching in the 15th round of vaccinations, the choices would be Pfizer or Moderna. There will be about 970,000 people eligible for a second shot of AstraZeneca. That's to say, there will be about 970,000 people who would be able to get a second shot of AstraZeneca or a second dose of Pfizer or
0: Moderna. Taiwan reported no local COVID infections or deaths on Tuesday. It did report two imported COVID infections, both in people who have been fully vaccinated. One had gotten two doses of Pfizer, and the other had received China's uh, Sinopharm vaccine. Ahead of spring festival, Taiwan is moving to control the price of quarantine hotels. Hotels that don't raise prices are entitled to an extra government subsidy of 500 NT dollars a night. Hotels that do will lose a subsidy of one-thousand NT dollars a night. The government is also asking more hotels to become quarantine hotels for the month of January. And to sweeten the deal, it's offering up to three-thousand NT dollars a night for every room that goes unsold that month.
2: Given what we've seen in the past, the preparations will need about one month. If we need to make arrangements in response to this new policy, we would respect the fact, but we would be very worried about issues of epidemic prevention and safety. If a hotel raises prices by more than 20 percent, that's what we call jacking up prices. If there is such behavior, we will suspend our subsidy of 1,000 NT per night. We will instruct the Tourism Bureau to strengthen
0: its market supervision. Holiday arrivals can choose to stay in a quarantine hotel for 14 days, 10 days or 7 days. Those who choose the 7-day option must be fully vaccinated upon arrival. They will need to spend seven days in a home quarantine and to take four PCR tests while in isolation. If they live with family members during home quarantine, each will need to get two COVID rapid tests at their own expense. So, Taidong has bid farewell to Ernest Gassner, a Catholic priest who served the county for almost 60 years. Locals gathered at the airport on Tuesday to send him off to retirement in his native Switzerland. Throughout his life in Taiwan, the 85-year-old spearheaded many community projects, ranging from clearing land for paddy fields to founding a kindergarten.
3: One
2: by one, churchgoers hold the priest's hands and hug him goodbye. Reverend Ernst Gassner left Taiwan on Tuesday after serving Taidong for almost 60 years. He's returning to his native country, Switzerland, for retirement. Taidong Commissioner Yao Tingling went to the airport to send him off. She presented him with a wristwatch with the inscription, Forever Part of the Taidong family.
1: He served the church ever since I was small. He's like a father to us, so a part of me can't bear to see him
2: go. Gazner is 85 years old. He arrived in Taiwan in September 1964 and served Taidong ever since. In 2003, he became the head of the Taiwan chapter of the Bethlehem Mission Society and was named honorary citizen of Taidong. In 2017, he became a naturalized Taiwanese citizen.
1: Thank you all for letting me be your friend. You have all made me very happy. When I am back home, I will carry all your faces in my mind. Your hearts are in mine.
2: The priest thanked his friends before his departure. In Taiwan, he didn't only spread the gospel, but worked on projects that improved the lives of people in remote mountain communities. He established funds for mutual aid, launched embankment repair projects, and even opened up land for paddy fields. In 1976, he opened a kindergarten in Taidong's Luye Township, which later came under government management. <laughs> A children's choir bids Gazner farewell. Locals say they'll long remember the selfless priest who brought warmth and comfort to his adopted
0: home. For the average Joe buying a house in Taipei is next to impossible, and pretty soon the same might be said for Shinsu. According to bank appraisal data received by, released by the Joint Credit Information Center, the average Shinsu home was valued at 11.98 million NT dollars in the second quarter this year. That's an increase of more than 1.92 million NT dollars compared to the same period in 2020. 2020. This is the greatest yearly increase anywhere in Taiwan, beating even Taipei, where prices went up 1.84 million NT dollars. The third greatest rise was seen in Jai City, where prices increased by more than 700 NT dollars. 700,000 NT dollars, sorry. According to a realtor, Xinzhou prices are up because of the U.S.-China trade war. And how's that? U.S. sanctions on Chinese products had triggered the exodus of Taiwanese businesses from China, and many have relocated to Xinzhou Science Park, where their staff have driven up housing prices in Zubei, um, Baoshan, and Zudong. Another factor behind the price rise is the soaring cost of building materials, according to the realtor. Let's now take a peek into the world of construction. Ultra-high-performance concrete, or UHPC, is a high-quality alternative to concrete or metal. Its uh, compressive strength and resistance to fire make it excellent for storage. Cement experts say it could even make buildings more resilient in the face of extreme climate upheaval. But it's not taken the construction world by storm yet. Let's find out why. A 2.5-centimeter-thick door
2: rings smartly when tapped. It may look thin, but it's fire-resistant and has a higher octane rating than the walls of Taipei 101. This storage unit, housing a giant battery system, is made from ultra-high-performance concrete, or UHPC. It's more ductile, yet thinner and lighter than typical concrete, making it an excellent alternative to metal. <laughs>
1: If a typical metal storage unit has a fire, it can easily spread. But with UHPC, firstly, it has high thermal conduction and compressive strength, making it fire-resistant and anti-flammable, so we can prevent it spreading if a fire breaks out.
2: The material is often used in safes and strong room walls for banks. In China, it's even used for freeway bridges and nuclear waste storage tanks. Taiwan's cement chairman Jiang Anping recently claimed that buildings made with UHPC will last 100 to 120 years. That's potentially double the lifespan of a normal building. And the material is also seen as a good solution for the extreme climate conditions that may be coming.
1: It's three times stronger than other buildings. It can withstand atmospheric pressure of at least 20,000 psi and temperatures of 10,000 degrees Celsius. So, in the face of extreme weather of the future, our storage units will be vastly safer than traditional metal storage units.
2: But the price of the material is prohibitive. Much more expensive than normal concrete, it's only used on public infrastructure. Perhaps as concerns grow over the suitability of
0: construction materials for our changing climate, UHPC will gain more supporters. Now that winter is approaching, hot drinks are becoming once again a popular choice at many beverage shops. Some brands have already launched winter marketing campaigns with enticing menus featuring warm bubble teas and tea lattes. The cold is also helping a local charity sell coffees to raise funds for people with intellectual disabilities. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang has the details.
3: Pearls, milk powder and hot tea go into a cup and get a thorough stir. In just a few minutes, this piping hot pearl milk tea is ready to drink. Taiwan loves cooling off with cold handshaken drinks in the heat of a summer day. But once the mercury starts dropping, demand for hot beverages soars. My favorite hot drinks are bubble milk tea and honey puerh tea it's tasty. A beverage store has released its top 10 drink recommendations for a cozy winter. The classic pearl milk tea is first on the list, followed by oolong green tea, black tea latte, premium green tea, oolong milk tea, Ceylon milk tea, pearl black tea latte, cocoa latte, poor milk tea, and
1: sesame milk
2: tea.
1: When low temperatures hit, hot beverage sales increased by about 20 percent. Milk tea has a unique, rich, and mellow taste, and the tapioca pearls become chewier in the hot milk tea. That's why it's more popular than the other drinks. Seven of the teas in our top ten list are all milk teas. At this other drink shop,
3: a woman with intellectual disability pours milk into coffee. Then, she carefully creates a smiley face with the foam. This is a charity pop-up coffee shop organized by the Direct Selling Association and the Children Are Us Foundation. <laughs> The event was supported by award-winning barista Jian Jia Chen, who
1: offered tips on how to brew a good cup of java. So how do you make tasty coffee? The first step is to use freshly ground beans and brew it on the spot. Don't let it sit for too long. Drink it right away. This prevents oxidation and the ingestion of aflatoxin. I think they are very talented and very persistent. They were very focused on learning the tips I taught them for making a finished product. We only practiced once or twice, and they did a great job. I think with more opportunities and practice, they will keep improving. Indeed, during the Level 3 COVID alert, most people were afraid to visit our stores. Our business was down by 80%. I am very happy that welfare events are slowly being allowed again so that we can continue with our hard work. The Children Are Us Foundation has helped many people with intellectual disabilities find employment. About more than 1,000 people every year. We have restaurants, bakeries, pastry factories, gas stations, and so on. These places offer supported employment. All proceeds from the coffee fundraiser will be donated to the
3: foundation, which hopes that more people can lend a helping hand and bring warmth to all corners of society this winter. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei.